This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. We're all present. We all made it in studio. We survived Snowmageddon in 2019, at least thus far. <laughs> How was it for you guys? Well, the kids uh, essentially had almost the entire week of school off. I and, bet they uh, loved next it. Next week yeah. is their winter. They did, yeah, for the first three days. And then actually my <laughs> middle son came to us yesterday and said, God, that was a lot of work for us to figure out what to do to keep us busy all week. I hope summer is not like that. And, and my Jennifer, my wife's like, now you realize how much work it is for yeah. us to plan summer so you're not bored. Welcome, and, uh, welcome it was to being amazing. A That's right. It was, and it was amazing to watch throughout the week all the social media posts of the parents getting more and more antsy. And you would see posts of their pours of whiskey or wine getting bigger and bigger and bigger <laughs> each day of canceled school went on. Well, hopefully people were at least coming up with some creative cocktails. I mean, there's some good ones that you can make when it's cold outside. We were discussing this uh, over on the sports side, actually. Just what's better? We we did which is better, a hot chocolate or cider? And we did it based on which alcoholic drinks you can make with either one. Do you guys have a preference? <laughs> um, it, I don't really do a lot of dairy anymore, so I would do cider sure. and I'd put BSB in it. Or I'd, there you I'd go. put some kind of, you know, maybe a lemon-based liqueur in there. Yeah. Oof, that sounds good. See, that, that kind of has you hoping yeah. for the cold weather, although escaping it is great, too. And spring break, right around the corner, pitchers and catchers report date for the Mariners was uh, this previous week uh, on the February 11th. And that's because they've got their trip to Tokyo here coming up. So it started a little normal than or a little earlier than normal. But you guys excited about baseball being back? I'm thrilled. I love baseball. I'm a baseball fan, have been ever since I was a little kid. And I'm, I'm excited that, especially given this week and the weather we went through, my wife and I are heading to spring training for a few days, and we're going to enjoy all the sunshine that we can in Arizona uh, in early March. So we're looking forward to that. It's absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to actually having to break out the SPF here. Yeah, Lydia's going to be there at the same time as you. I'm jealous. <laughs> yes, we'll have I'll to, be here. We'll have to do like a FaceTime, a joint FaceTime, so it's like we're all there. <laughs> well, Maura, just like when you were at the Super Bowl, mm, quote-unquote, yeah. working, and I use air quotes when I say that, <laughs> uh, you know, Lydia's going to be, quote-unquote, working while she's at spring training, so... I'll be honest, I'm not. I'm just going to be kicking back, you know, got my, <laughs> got my baseball scorecard and my hot dog, and it'll be all good down there in Arizona. Yeah. In the meantime, what's going on in the headlines right now? Well, uh, if you're not interested in spring training, but you are a Harry Potter fan, the Harry Potter Beer Festival is going to launch in the U.S. I know this is exciting both for uh, the two of you because you, I think you're big Harry Potter fans. And uh, nerd over here. Ten dates. Yep, yep, ten dates. The... Traveling Beer Festival will go from Portland to Las Vegas. It's part of the Rockstar Beer Festival's show that's being put on. They're going to feature an adult butterscotch beer made with vanilla vodka, butterscotch liqueur, butterscotch soda, whipped cream, and a vanilla bean. That sounds awfully sweet and thick. <laughs> there will be a 20 varieties of beer on tap as well. And eight cities, you can go to eventbrite.com. Check out if they're coming to a city near you, 35 bucks a ticket. 
and uh, you too can join the Wizards of the Harry Potter <laughs> I had no idea there was a musical act based off of yeah. Harry Potter 2. Apparently the Slytherin <clears throat> sisters and DJ Dumbledore will be performing. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, th- that's going to be at the show that's in Portland, Oregon. Uh, each one of these uh, events, 10 days, 8 cities, uh, lots of activities, and of course, beer, and then this adult butterscotch beer. I uh, would love to get pictures. Yes. <laughs> I, I, there'll be people dressed up in cloaks and hats, and uh, I'm sure all sorts <laughs> of other wizardly get ups. So any excuse, it will be interesting any, to watch. Any excuse to put on a Harry Potter costume, I'm in. But also, if you are a reader of the books, I can't tell you how many times I you read about them drinking butterbeer and you imagine it and you want to yeah. try it. So this is your opportunity to do it. That's pretty cool. <laughs> That's right. Next up, in Denmark, a construction worker in the city of Viborg uncovered seven bottles of a beer. They were 113 years old. They were hidden under the floorboards of a building that once housed the Odin Brewery, which is an old, famous brewery. Founded in 1832, closed uh, over 150 years later in 1988. It was, at the time, Denmark's oldest brewery. So uh, folks were in there, they were working on the uh, building, pulled up the floorboards, and they found this 113-year-old bottles of beer. And I don't know that they would taste good 113 (laughs) years later, but the historic significance is, is pretty cool to see. Yeah, we talked a little bit uh, last week about how to know if alcohol has gone bad. I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that this may have gone bad. I want to pass on this. Yeah, I would keep the bottles. They are, uh, you know, collector's <laughs> items. Exactly. And lastly, the two of you, have you been watching this online feud between Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman going back and forth? I can't say that I have, but I will say uh, following Ryan Reynolds is constantly a fun thing on social media. So I can only imagine the hijinks. Yeah, so they have this feud. It's a it's a pretend feud. They are, you know, kind of feeding off each other's energies. And uh, they try to one-up each other every time they have an interview or they, they post on social media. So they came out with this uh, supposed truce where Ryan Reynolds made a TV ad for Hugh Jackman's coffee brand called <laughs> Laughing Man Coffee. Nice. And then Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman was supposed to make an ad celebrating Ryan Reynolds' aviation gin. And uh, it went viral online in the first day. It had uh, almost 10 million views on uh, YouTube alone. Uh, on the second day it was out, it was the number three trending ad or number three trending video on YouTube, and it was an ad. Think about that. Number wow. three trending video as an ad. And uh, it'll, get, it'll get over a billion impressions by the time it's all said and done. And the crux of the, the ad is Ryan Reynolds put forth you know, a real effort to celebrate the Laughing Man Coffee, and Hugh Jackman, Hugh Jackman thought the truce was fake, so he did this really <laughs> crappy ad <laughs> for Ryan's Amazing. gin, and uh, it ended up being pretty funny at the end. Well, great publicity for both brands, and we know uh, we've talked about a lot of celebrities that own their own uh, liquor or beer, wine, and spirits brand. So I'll be interested to see if this is a trend in itself, using each other and and uh, creating maybe some some fake rivalries in the industry. <laughs> That's right. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, we've all been to Costco before, and we've all picked up some Kirkland brand uh, everything, I would like to think, put it in our cart. Well, speaking specifically to Kirkland brand alcohol, which companies actually make the booze that you're buying at Costco? It's next on Cast Club Radio.
Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks so much for joining us today. Now, most of us have shopped at Costco in the past, right? Yes. Yes. We call it the $300 club in our household. Oh. Because uh, every time you go, you can't escape without spending $300. It's true. I mean, you get quite a bit for that. Exactly. And they last you a while. Also, just all of the great samples they've got there. I usually fill myself up. I usually get like a $1.50 hot dog on the way out. You just can't beat it. But we've all probably bought something that is Kirkland brand or Costco signature brand in the past. It's made its way into our carts. I mean, they have they represent just about everything there. Shampoo, uh, T-shirts when it comes to food and also booze. So who is actually making the Kirkland brand booze, though? We want to talk about that today. So before we get into this, what is the actual criteria, the research process behind trying to find out where these alcohols, these spirits are made? Well, the federal government, run by the division that uh, oversees alcohol, is the Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau, what we call TTB. They have a process where you have to get every label approved. You get what's called a COLA, a Certificate of Label Approval. The COLA has certain information on it for the public to know. In many cases, the COLA will tell you where it was either distilled or bottled or produced or packaged. And in other cases, it doesn't have that information because they've done some kind of uh, trademark deal to hide the source of it. So the authors first went through the labels and they looked at ah. the online database from the feds to see if they could triangulate where <laughs> it came from. It doesn't work all the time, but it does oftentimes give you some indication or it will just flat out tell you where it came from and who made it. So at least uh, with some that, clues. we can jump right in. Yeah, I like this. It's almost some like clues. we're That's doing right. we're doing a little bit of our own Nancy Drew, Encyclopedia yeah. Brown, uh, Scooby-Doo, whichever detectives <laughs> you want to do today. That's right. And people can go look this up. They just Google the TTB Cola, C-O-L-A, and uh, it'll take you eventually to the Cola list. And you can look, you can enter in beer, wine, spirits, cider, and you can look at all these different labels that have been approved all around the country. So we'll jump into the vodka. Vodka is the single most uh, consumed and sold product. The Kirkland Signature Vodka is probably their number one selling item in the whole alcohol space. Uh, The rumor is, according to the author here, that Grey Goose produces it. Uh, It's a little less expensive than what Grey Goose is. The Signature Vodka distills the vodka from Grey Goose's same water source in Cognac, the water source, but that doesn't mean that the Grey Goose distillery is actually making it. And according to the expert they interviewed, he thinks it actually is made by Bacardi, the Bacardi company, which is a huge, massive global brand house. Which is interesting since Bacardi is more known for rum. Yeah. (laughs) The Grey Goose idea would make more sense. They're known for rum, but if you look up Bacardi, you're going to see a whole slew of pretty much everything across the flavored or across the spirits category where they have some product or another. But the bottom line is, and this is what you hear a lot of customers say, for 20 bucks for the 1.75 liter and the quality of that vodka, the Kirkland Signature Vodka, which is very, very high, you can't beat that deal. And so the author says, that's a stellar deal. Buy it every day of the week. Love it. <laughs> yep. Next up, the Kirkland Signature Bland Scotch Whiskey. This is priced at 17.99. When they went on the internet and, and 
did all the blog searches and stuff, the opinion was, you've probably never heard of Alexander Murray and Company, but according to Market Watch magazine, as of 2016, Costco sells 100,000 plus cases of this scotch a year. Alexander Murray works with about 12 distilleries in Scotland. Some of them are very famous, like uh, Dalmore and Glenrothes. They fill private label bottles for Costco, Trader Joe's, and Total Wine and More. Each recipe is a little different, which blend ends up in the Kirkland bottle. They don't know exactly, but the rumor is that it's uh, from a distillery called Tullibardeen. But the flavor has a little bit different uh, notes than other scotches that people are used to. They say, beware of the smell of the scotch. It's not ideal. There's something funky in there. But if you're going to use it into a cocktail, it's appropriate. Uh, otherwise, they recommend for this particular blended scotch to spend a little more money on another brand uh, or to skip to go on to the premium small batch bourbon that Kirkland has. That's a good lead-in because it's next on our list, right? Next, Yeah, next on the list, the Kirkland Signature Premium Small Batch Bourbon. Now, who makes this? Well, according to writer Aaron Goldfarb, they studied the Costco, the Costco booze for a while. The Costco bourbon, he says, is no longer from Kentucky. It's delicious Tennessee whiskey, and he said it's similar to the George Dickel whiskey uh, small batch bourbon that's out there. So he says it doesn't taste that much like the Dickel brand uh, because it's got more spice notes. They may put it through a different uh, charcoal filtration process. But just because it doesn't taste exactly like the Dickel brand doesn't mean that they don't produce it because there are different ways you can get different flavor and effects based on how you, you process it. So he also recommends it as a very good buy at twenty nine ninety nine a bottle. All right, so we got two buys on our list so far, the Kirkland Signature Vodka, the Kirkland Signature Premium Small Batch Bourbon. What is up next? Up next, the Kirkland Signature Original Spiced Rum, $14.99. The Internet's opinion is that it doesn't take much sleuthing to figure out because <laughs> uh, the label tells you, in this case, uh, the one states that the rum is distilled on the island of St. Croix. That narrows it down to two distilleries, either Cruzan or Captain Morgan. Yet the booze rating site, uh, proof66.com, says the producer is actually the Levecki Corp out of California. They make rum as well. Why is that the case? Well, it's probably because, according to the article, Cruzan or Captain Morgan may be producing it and then selling it to Levecki to bottle uh, under their brand. So um, they say it's buttery on the nose. They'd assume it comes from Cruzan because that's what Cruzan smells like as well, the Cruzan mm -hmm. brand. The rum has artificial vanilla extract flavors, and spiced rum drinkers usually cover the booze up with Coke anyway. So at $14.99 a bottle, they say buy this also. Uh, it's a great deal. All right. So not sipping rum, but definitely an add to cocktail. Most spiced rum is not sipping rum because yeah. it's got other flavors and stuff added to it. It's Absolutely. designed specifically to put into a drink or uh, cocktails. I feel like I stopped drinking spiced rum at maybe age 21 because maybe yeah. I, I, yeah, so I, I drink too much. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sorry, I digress. So the next one you can choose from, tequila, the Canadian whiskey, or the London dry gin. Let's Let's jump to the Canadian whiskey. All right, perfect. So the Kirkland Signature Blended Canadian Whiskey, the the opinion is that it comes from Crown Royal. Why? Because of the shape of the bottle, the purple color on the label that would induce someone to uh, think, hey, we think Crown Royal makes this. The experts say, after studying, it has more spice than Crown Royal. Overall, it's thin, dry, and what they call high-pitched. Uh, he said uh, he's not a fan of Canadian whiskeys as a whole, but if you're going to mix it with Coke, 7-Up, ginger ale, he says that 
1899. It's a great buy, and uh, it's a great alternative for blended Canadian whiskey. There you have it. We'll help you out for your next Costco trip. If you're looking for what to pick up or you just want more information about what you found, we'll post this at heritagedistilling.com so you can follow the links and you can read the full article. Although I will know real quick, the author's two favorite bottles that they picked up from the Kirkland brand were the Kirkland brand vodka and the Kirkland brand gin, just in case you want to keep that in mind for next time. Next up on Cast Club Radio, we get to talk to one of our favorite people, Distiller Dane. We are always bugging him for a top five here on Cast Club Radio, but now we actually get to bug him a little bit longer and find out more about what he's always up to, what we're pulling him away from uh, hard at work. That's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cas Club Radio. Right now, we are joined by one of our favorites, Distiller Dane. How are you, my friend? I am doing great. Just got out of the snowmageddon and snowpocalypse, <laughs> and I'm alive and well. Good. Uh, we are pulling you away from work at Heritage Distilling, which we usually get to do for our top five segment, and we'll get to do that later. But we also just wanted to find out a little bit more about you today, because your job is pretty darn incredible. And first of all, how did you end up working in spirits? Uh, well, let's see. It started with kind of the craft beer explosion in the Pacific Northwest. That's kind of right dab in the middle of it when it was um, starting to explode. And it kind of got my interest in all these new styles and variations of beer coming out. And that led to an interest in craft spirits, actually. There wasn't as many craft distilleries around at this time. This was kind of around 2011, 2012, or a little bit before that. And I was actually studying abroad in Italy, and I met an Irish bartender, and I had brought over some craft whiskey from the Northwest, and I traded it for him, and he sampled me through his whole Irish spirits collection. From there, it just exploded. So once I graduated... I actually had an economics degree, and I was trying to get a government job, but they weren't really readily available at that time. And then I met Jennifer and Justin, and they kind of told me their business plan and what was happening, and he literally had it sketched out on kind of this scratch piece of paper and ended up being very nice people. So I started part-time there, and I got known as the mash monkey. So I used to come in around 6 (laughs) p.m. at night and just clean out the old mash cooker, which is a very inefficient process. And kind of dirty but i got through it and then from there i started helping with the my batch classes running the still and everything kind of took off wow that's pretty incredible so you were kind of been on the uh, ground floor of heritage distilling oh yeah definitely there was a lot of on-the-job training a few mistakes were made in the beginning but we all learned from those as well exactly because you mentioned you went to school for something sort of entirely different but this was your at least one of your passions that you found uh, what's it been like to pursue something that you necessarily didn't go to school for, but you are learning on the go? Yeah, it was, uh, well, it's a lot of fun. I can tell you that. <laughs> um, and there was a lot to learn in the beginning, especially from literally just kind of jumping and falling into it. But as the craft distilling scene was exploding around there, around that time, I literally traveled to every single one I could find within the state. I would try to meet distillers, pick their brains, um, research books and webinars online and started going to expos and really gaining knowledge from there. There wasn't a lot of readily available knowledge out there, so you kind of had to search for it. Um, There's some deep chemistry books, but those kind of make me a little sleepy at some time. (laughs) 
I mean, obviously the industry is still growing and changing, but what's something that you have learned about it in the past couple of years? In the last couple of years, I've seen a lot more experimentation coming out. So as a lot of the sewers start popping up, everyone kind of, what you normally do is start with your basic vodka, gin, start producing your whiskey. And then after a couple of years, people started experimenting a lot, um, different strains of yeast. Uh, we got a lot more local grains being grown and provided within Washington State specifically. People kind of pushing the boundaries of what spirits are and what they taste like. So if you have to take that five years into the future and you have to predict where the industry is going, what do you see in the future? Five years in the future, that's a tough question. It's kind of hard to predict exactly because it's changing so fast mm-hmm. at the same time. Well, would you, um, how, or how about, I do expect to see... Or even what you would like to see. I would like to see new categories of spirits derived um, whether it's a local or regional or kind of based on a terroir aspect, something that we have not seen does not have a definition yet. Oh, I like that. It's just pioneering. You want to, you want to explain that, what you mean by not having a definition, uh, Dane, for folks who aren't involved in the intricacies of how products are made? Yes, there is a lot of rules and laws and guidelines that have to be followed to create certain spirits. So whether you're making a vodka, gin, specific type of whiskey, your manufacturing process is submitted and it has to follow the rules and guidelines of what the government deems that definition of that product to make that product. So a lot of these are kind of old, but yet simple and are a good thing to have as well. So people can just make one something and call it something it isn't, but it doesn't give guidelines for necessarily creating new spirits that have not yet been defined. So sometimes when we create a spirit or something that is into the normal aspect or definition, it kind of gets shoved in this specialty category. So the goal behind that would be create a new actual category and definition for that product or spirit. Probably the best example of that right now is the American single malt category, which as a category doesn't formally exist under the TTB rules. And But there are so many distilleries making single malt whiskey that they want to see that as officially recognized category. That's, that's probably the, the most prevalent one right now. Wow. Dane, I want to know, too, what is, you, since you have your hand in so many different things, what is one of your favorite, if not your favorite, element of your job and what you get to do on a daily basis? My favorite element of the job um, is definitely experimenting and trying new things. And we do that constantly in small batch forms, uh, whether it's like a little tabletop distillation to a small 5 to 10 gallon batch, but whether it's experimenting with new grains, flavor profiles, additions, that's that's the funnest part about the job, I'd say. And I'm just like being an adult chemistry class. And Justin, I know that you have a background in chemistry and that was kind of, you know, some of how you fell in love with this whole process as well. Is it kind of just being like adult kids with chemistry sets? Very large adult chemistry set. And there is technically (laughs) no boundaries. You do run into some mistakes or failures or things that don't turn out like the way you thought they would, but uh, it doesn't hurt to always try. What's one of the uh, experiments that you are most proud of that that you can point to and say, yeah, I I did good this day in chemistry? Actually, that would... The one that I didn't think would be as big as it was was actually the brown sugar bourbon. Oh, wow, um, yeah. We were messing around with, well, that uh, turned out really well. We were yeah. messing around with quite a, yeah, <laughs> it was a big surprise. We were messing around with quite a few. We know we wanted to make a flavored whiskey, um, and we were messing around with quite a few different flavor profiles, maybe between six and 12 different ones. Wow. And we know we only wanted to start with maybe one or two at the beginning. 
Um, and then we came across this the recipe for the brown sugar bourbon, and it came out and kind of had like all the bottles lined up, and everyone was tasting them, and everyone just kept coming back to this one, and it, it has since then exploded by far. Wow, that's so cool. We've talked in the past on the show to Cast Club members, and that is one of the most interesting things I think about Heritage Distilling and something that I've seen you guys do that nobody else does. But it was so fun to talk to Cast Club members and see how excited they got about even working with you, Dane, and coming up with uh, their individual flavor profile. So what's it like to work with Cast Club members? Yeah, besides um, getting to experiment at the distillery, I think Cast Club is actually one of the funnest things as well. Um, and like you said, it's such a unique program. There isn't really anywhere else where you can come in, get a small barrel, fill it with whatever spirit that we make, come in and taste it whenever you want, and basically custom age your own spirit um, with the ability to kind of add your own additions to make it special for you. All the people that we come in and I get to talk to, they always kind of start with the base idea, and I'll actually spend personal time with them, and we'll develop a recipe together, change it, alter it over time if needed. And we've had some very fun concoctions and recipes come out of that, and some recipes that we've actually turned into products in the end run as well. Oh, wow. Well, I know Justin told us you guys have have big plans for this year and and a lot of growth. What are you working on currently at Heritage? Um, Currently at Heritage, um, (laughs) for a big growth, one of our newest things, uh, which we have released, but uh, that would be the rum that we've been working on that is coming out of our Eugene, Oregon location, and they produce all of our rum down there. Um, We had to release our first bottles only a few months ago, um, but we actually work with um, Glory Bee, who is a local supplier in the Eugene area, and they provide us with a beautiful kind of light and medium molasses, and we actually ferment, um, distill these separately, and then we make a blend out of them together for our basic white rum. And that's our kind of our newest release, which will be hitting distribution this year, um, which most people have probably not seen yet. And then that has also allowed us to begin our barrel program with the rum. And so we've been filling barrels of all types to determine how long and what type of barrel we want to use. And that's experimenting from anything from Cabernet and Merlot barrels to other various red wine barrels and even using our used bourbon and rye whiskey barrels to age that on. Wow. So can we expect some uh, some new rum cocktails this summer yeah. in the Heritage Tasting Rooms? Oh, yeah. Um, beginning at our Eugene location, you will be able to taste it in that tasting room. Our Washington ones will not have it currently. Okay, so just an excuse to go on down to Oregon and yes. visit the sister location. Uh, I always love visiting Eugene, so that's a perfect excuse. Well, Dane, we're going to keep you on for longer because we just like keeping you from work. And no, we want to get another top five from you. Uh, that will be in just a minute. That's coming up next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio, and we still have our friend Distiller Dane on the line. That is because we need another top five from him, one of our favorite segments. What's on your list this week, Dane? All right. Number one on my list is a new brewery that I had not been to yet, but I've heard a lot of good things about, so I finally got to check them out, and they are called Machine House Brewery over in the Georgetown area of Seattle. Yeah, I used to work at the Seattle Art Museum, and we served a lot of their beers there. They're, They're good stuff. 
<laughs> yeah, so the interesting thing about them, uh, they actually make um, authentic cask-conditioned ales, um, which they serve at a little higher in temperatures, but cellar temperature. So they kind of make a traditional bitter style or English bitter style beers as well as classic mild. So a few of them you'll find will have like a lower ABV on it. They also have some pale ales, a porter, and a stout. And they actually serve them right out of the cask through these those old school engine pump taps, which are kind of fun to watch and enjoy at the same time. Cool. So there's an aesthetic element as well. Okay, number one. That was number one on the list. What's number two? Number two on my list, because everyone's been going crazy about it in this area, is Snowmageddon. Because <laughs> it was real, it actually happened, and we all survived. Well, I think most of us survived. <laughs> And you even managed to have a little bit of fun too, right? What did you uh, What did you do? Yeah, I'd say the pros of Snowmageddon would be spiked hot chocolate, um, <laughs> sledding, and then playing with my dog in the snow, the deep snow, which was almost covering him entirely. Yeah, my dog and, uh, loved it too. I guess the cons of it would be shoveling snow because it, it's not fun. And the Justin Timberlake concert also got canceled. Oh, yes. My friend uh, is a diehard fan, and it's been canceled twice now, so she uh, she was very upset about that one as well. You know, you mentioned almost everybody survived, but not quite true because that truck full of chickens crashed on I-5 down by Olympia, and it had like 5,000 chickens on it, and they were spread all over the highway. So uh, that was on, I think, Monday. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Yikes. Free chicken wings. Oh, no. All right, number three. (laughs) Number three. So the Snowmageddon actually led me to the number three on my list as well. Um, And this was kind of while being stuck inside the house because I couldn't be outside all day. And while bored searching the basement of the house, I came across a huge storage of old 90s VHS tapes in a VHS player. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) Anyone in particular? Uh, Yeah. Well, first took me... They used to be pretty simple, but with our updated technology, it still took me about 30 minutes to figure out how to set it up and rewind <laughs> the VHS. But the first one you plugged in was the Jim Carrey classic, The Mask, and it is oh. still hilarious to this day. Oh my gosh, and a young Cameron Diaz. I mean, it's, that's a great movie. Did All you- right, number four. At number four on my list is actually a very small uh, Prohibition-style speakeasy in Seattle, and it's actually located in the boiler room in the basement of what used to be an old hotel, and it's called Bathtub Gin and Company. Oh, Have you guys yeah. been there before? Over in Belltown, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right over in Belltown. It's uh, actually kind of an inside joke because it has actually taken me six attempts in over three years to finally make it inside. Oh! Um, can't say. <laughs> yeah, so I was victorious this last weekend. <laughs> yeah. But it was everything, I guess, you could have imagined, but you'll kind of have to go in there and check it out yourself. They do have a large gin list, but you'll find cocktails of all types and styles when you get there. What did you land on after, you know, so much time, so much buildup? What did you go with or what did you try? I went, I forgot the name of it because there weren't names I was used to, but I did uh, go with, I started out with a gin cocktail at first. It was almost kind of reminiscent of a gin sour or some other additions in there. Um, and then I settled with a, a nice old school rye whiskey cocktail after that. Lovely. Dane finds all the speakies. I know, you're the master. <laughs> All right, number five. Number five is a new taco bar that actually is in Seattle, but recently they opened up in Tacoma not too long ago, and that is called the Red Star Taco Bar. I'm always down for tacos. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. They've been making my list in the Big Taco fan, but I really like this place, and they actually serve up all the classics as well as like some breakfast, uh, catfish, and even honey shrimp tacos. Oh, wow. But most of all, what I found the most interesting because I'm a huge potato fan, they have the Idaho taco on the appetizer list, and it's actually an open space 
taco on a baked potato and it's served Ooh. up in a cast iron pan. Wow, that sounds delicious. Mm. So this is a full sit-down place, right? Not a not a cart or anything? Oh, yeah. It's a full sit-down place. they got yeah. a huge tequila and mezcal selection as well as many cocktails. All right, Maura, we're planning a trip to Tacoma. Yes, let's right. go now. <laughs> well, Dane, my friend, as always, thank you so much. Thanks for taking time to tell us a little bit about your story, how you ended up at Heritage Distilling, but also thank you for another top five. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. All right, take care. Back to work. <laughs> Well, thanks again to Dane for joining us. Before we get out of here, of course, we've got another cocktail recipe. Justin, what is on the menu this week? Well, winter oranges are in season. That means blood oranges. Uh, getting authentic blood oranges from Italy is always the best this time of year. This is a blood orange martini. It starts with two ounces of our heritage distilling blood orange vodka, which has an amazing flavor profile and balance to it some fresh squeezed orange juice if you don't find fresh squeeze you can get uh, some of the regular orange juice at the store and half an ounce of fresh lime juice preferably fresh from a lime that you squeeze so in a shaker with ice put in two ounces of the blood orange vodka an ounce of the orange juice and a half ounce of the lime juice shake it until you can't really hold the shaker some more it's so cold Strain it out into a martini glass and garnish it with a small orange wedge or a peel from an orange. I don't know if it is just this time of year, but I really have been getting a citrus craving, and this sounds like it would definitely hit that. Well, I think the lack of sun, your body's yeah, trying to make it. up with other vitamins, Forget so oranges, vitamin oranges provide that. <laughs> and they give you this idea that you you know might one day see the sun again because <laughs> yeah. oranges are from we'll warm s- weather climates. We'll see it, Pacific Northwesterners, I promise. And you might even get to see it sooner if you're down at spring training, which we will be here pretty soon. If you If you are, come say hi. Of course, enjoy some some heritage distilling products while you're down there and go Mariners. That's right. As always, you can check out this cocktail recipe at heritagedistilling.com. Check out some past ones in case, you know, you're planning a party and you uh, need some fresh ideas. You can also check out episodes of Cast Club Radio there uh, where you can also see any of the articles we've talked about. That's right. And the podcast is available on uh, MindNorthwest.com under the podcast section. And we do want to also welcome our friends from the Spokane market who are listening yes. to us on AM and FM radio, along with people in Western Washington on AM and FM radio. You can follow us on Instagram and you can find us on Facebook at Cast Club Radio. And uh, please also don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We really appreciate you out there just hanging with us on a Saturday and we will talk to you next week. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.